Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe to our RSS feed so you'll be notified automatically of new shows. If you're looking for a speaker for your organization or event, please go to my website at integrativeminds.com to learn more about what I offer and contact me at info at integrativeminds.com to schedule a meeting time. The information is also in the show notes. So be sure to join us for our Family Financial Freedom Workshop here live in the city of Torrance. Our next one is March 23rd, or you can watch it via live stream on Facebook. This workshop, as well as our theme for 2019 on Parent Pump Radio, is geared to help families learn, act, and implement strategies to become financially free. All the information is in the show notes. So on to our guest today. He is a good friend of mine. He's also our technical producer. Uh, That's kind of his moonlighting job. What he does in his daytime job, he is the founder of Anisha Education. He and his team of educators empower students to learn how to become confident achievers. They provide academic coaching, test prep, and tutoring to students both online and in the South Bay region of Southern California. Now, their unique approach teaches students proven systems, also mindfulness and growth mindset techniques so they can set and get higher academic college goals. They also coach and tutor students with ADD and ADHD and auditory processing disorder to become happier with higher grades. And since 2007, his students have earned admissions and scholarships to universities such as Stanford, Cal Berkeley, Boston College, USC, Carnegie Mellon, and and UCLA, his alma mater. There he was inducted into Phi Beta Kappa and the National Society of Collegiate Scholars. So I'm going to introduce you to my good friend, Victor Solis. How are you, Victor? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for that warm introduction. Uh, it always reminds me, like, oh, yeah, that's that sounds pretty good. Thank you for making that sound so <laughs> interesting. Like, wow, that's a cool that's, history. Yeah, that's only half of what you do. I know that there's so much more uh, that you do outside of that. But let's just get into how you can help the kids and their parents. I think we all struggle with helping our kids with their schoolwork and then hoping to get the SAT exam in so they can get to college. Mm -hmm. I love how you are so passionate about what you do with helping kids. There's a special technique that you as a tutor really be able to get through to the kids. Right. That I think the first thing that I hear you pointed out is um, the relationship. Are you, are you the parent? Are you uh, the uncle? Are you a grandparent? Um, or are you an educator? And that relationship has a big impact. Um, a parent to a student, a parent to a child, that comes with a long history. You know, was there something stressful earlier in the day? Was there something stressful happening in the family? 
And that can really affect, yeah, yeah, mom, fine, I got it. No, leave me alone. Well, that is not always what we hear as a guide, mentor, instructor. We don't have that same history with the child. And we start the relationship by saying, why do you want to do this? Uh, we are here to help you. And I would advise any parent who's asking, well, I'm looking for a good tutor. I'm looking for a good one-to-one uh, -one instructor. We want that academic coaching. But what am I looking for? It's not the same as a teacher. A teacher has to do classroom management. You have you know, 25, 30 students. A tutor or a one-to-one -one instructor, we're on the same team. Like, hey, what's happening? How are you feeling today? Oh, kind of tired. Okay, yeah, what's going on? Well, I had this math test. I'm feeling stressed about that. This is okay. Address those feelings. Let's talk as a coach to a player, and we're empowering you to learn the methods, to learn those techniques, because you're going to go court and play the game. We can show you all these methods if you want to get better, if, if you have that, that strong why. Why do you want to improve? Um, and so it is quite different than the tutor uh, who's just saying, uh, what's your homework for today? Uh, we want to be able to speak to the child in a way that they understand the relationship is uh, guidance. It is that mentoring where we're working together. It's a collaboration. Um, and it isn't, uh, oh, gosh, you didn't do your homework again. And why did you let us down? And you're never going to become a doctor if you do. Whoa, that's too much baggage. <laughs> There's a lot of things that can creep into a family dynamic. Um, and for us, uh, it is much more about we're on the same team. So let's work together. Yeah, that's a good point. Another thing that I've noticed is this time management where the kids come home. They want a snack, then there's dinner time, there's bath time, homework time, and maybe just a little bit unwinding time. How would you give advice to parents on teaching time management skills in a way to our students, to our kids, that really work? We hear time management a lot. Students hear that. I, I ask them almost on day one. So what does time management mean to you? the greatest politicians and business leaders and speakers, they only have 24 hours. We all have 24 hours. So I ask them to change their mindset. Are you really talking about time or are you talking about what choices you make with your time? So is time management really choice management? Yep, that's what I always say. <laughs> so you're on the right track. When we talk to students about what are your choices okay, you have three subjects to cover. You have to do some math, you have to do some reading, and you also have to fill out this lab report. Wow, we have three tasks. How much time are you gonna spend? What are you gonna choose to do first? The easier thing or the hard thing? What are you gonna choose to do next? More intense studying or take a break? What is your schedule? When do you get home? Do you take a nap right when you get home? What is that workflow like? Well, for adults, we're used to thinking of productivity and I have my scheduled day. That works great for an adult, but we're speaking to a child. We're speaking to a 13-year-old or a 16-year-old. So it has to be in a way that one is relatable, two is in language that makes sense to you know a student at that age. And even bigger, three is on a time scale that makes sense to a child. Um, 
you know, I think how many times do we say, you know, someday you're going to use this, you know, when you're an adult, you know, when you're in your 20s, how often is a 13 year old really thinking about someday I'm going to be an adult, someday I'm going to be 25? I mean, what is the sense of time that a child has? And, and speaking of a child, someone whose mind and brain is still developing into their 20s. <laughs> And if we look at the research, you know, the last part of the brain, you know, area 10 in the frontal lobe is the last part to really develop. And what does that govern? It doesn't govern calculus or how to expand the vocabulary. I mean, that part of the brain actually governs executive functioning, decision making, right? risk taking, sense of future plans like, hmm, what am I going to be doing a year from now? But who has heard a 13-year-old say, I want to get my one-year plan together? This is not how students through high school or even through college think. They're thinking about, what am I doing tomorrow? Maybe, what am I doing Saturday night? So a time frame that actually works much better, whether you're a parent or an instructor, is what's happening right now? Right now, what's immediate? Let's make this easier now. Because as soon as we start to use that kind of language, like, oh, but, and then what are you going to do someday when you're in college? And what are you going to do when you're an adult? Automatically, the children's brain just, that does not relate. <laughs> the, the timeline of what a child is thinking is not, what am I going to do when I'm an adult? So we don't use that kind of language. We're talking about immediacy. Uh, middle school, middle grades, if you look at the books that middle grade students really enjoy, those are about here and now. It might be an adventure, but it's an adventure of a girl here and now with her friend, with her pet dog. Those books don't talk about big epic stories of, you know, over many, many years. So we know that that works to make books interesting to children. Why don't we make our language interesting by keeping it very immediate and yeah. very much in the here and now? Yeah, and different age, like you were saying, high school is going to talk different language and and different systems and strategies than, say, a college student or a junior high sure. kid. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Know who your child is and know the level of development uh, that they're at. And let's just keep it simple. And it's not about what's going to happen a year from now or even a month from now. It's really let's do something now that is easy and interesting. Do you have any examples of clients that you've worked with that you've helped in, improved in this way? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. I mean, we are always telling stories and I find that when we can connect to somebody who's been in a similar situation, then we can think, oh yeah, maybe I can do this too. Um, I'm reminded of um, a young woman who's now at Loyola Marymount University, but she never thought that she was going to be able to really apply to any school. She wasn't even thinking about our local community college because she was diagnosed with ADD um, when she was in middle school. And that's when we started working together when she was in eighth grade. Uh, so Annie, um, as an eighth grader, already was like, oh gosh, you know, what am I going to do? I don't know. I get home and I have so many things to do, I feel overwhelmed. Well, that's a key word if you ever hear overwhelm, uh, as I'm sure <laughs> you've heard with your clients. Uh, that's like yeah. a key word. That's and the visceral a, a reaction that comes with that word is a, 
is very <laughs> telling. <laughs> right. This is telling of what is happening with the student thinking, how do I even juggle all of these tasks that I need to do? And I said, well, let's go with the MIT method. And not MIT from Massachusetts Institute of Technology, but most important thing, MIT, what are the three things, just three, that are really important to you? She would say, uh, I have a vocab quiz, uh, tomorrow I have a math quiz, and in two days, I need to turn in an outline. Hmm, okay, well, what's really important right now? Well, your first two quizzes. Okay, can we start with that? Yes, let's start. We don't have a big plan. We're not carving out time. We're not even talking about a calendar yet. If you're eighth grade, ninth grade feeling overwhelmed, three things. <laughs> let's keep it very simple. And she made that into a pattern that by the time she was a senior, we were meeting maybe once a month, maybe once every couple of weeks. But she had already internalized that and made that into a simple habit of just three things. And after each thing is done, take that five minute break, go pet the dog, go have a snack. Uh, and that sounds quite different than what I hear from say a sophomore junior that they're just trying to plow through. They don't even take breaks. And I thought, have you, wait, you're a soccer player. And in this case, she played volleyball. Would you ever practice for two hours straight? Would you practice flute for an hour and a half straight? Like, can you even hold your arms up for an hour and a half? That's pretty tough. So I don't know what you see among children as far as do you have that sense of go easy on yourself and have a schedule where you can take breaks? Well, they say 90 to what, two hours is the max the brain can really take in information and you got to take a break. You know, when you're sitting in a big seminar, you tend to low off. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. And at that age for a child, I, I talk to parents and we say, um, well, what is the situation like at home? Yeah, what are those simple three things that you can do? Where are you taking your breaks? Is your break maybe every 45 minutes? It's not going to be as conducive if you're trying to study something for beyond an hour. So actually, most middle school students, about 40, 45 minutes, that's when they take a break. I'm just keeping it down to three easy things that you can make progress on. Take breaks every 45 to 55 minutes and keep it simple. Um, slowly, as that starts to take place, then you can add in other techniques like Keep a calendar, <laughs> keep a schedule, keep an agenda. And it's not because they told you to do that in school, but is it because you can see it on paper? Let's not try to keep everything in our heads. That, that's not convenient. There's too much going on. And alleviate the pressure of trying to remember everything by just putting it down on paper. And I think what you said earlier, earlier was the overwhelm, right? When you're trying to keep everything in your head, it gets overwhelming and then either you forget everything or your body just doesn't want anything to do with it. That's why we always find as time management coaches that when people have a list that's too long, they won't do any of it because it's too overwhelming. Yeah, way too much versus get the big three done. The three done, hey, right. Great. Now, yeah, have dessert. You can give yourself a reward for having done good effort. And then that starts to become a habit. Of course, you know, that doesn't happen in the course of a week. And when parents say, well, we're thinking about tutoring, 
Um, are you comfortable in knowing that this is an investment of time and energy and that you're going to see results over a couple of months if you are continuing to do this on a regular basis? About 60 days of having something as a regular pattern is what we generally see. And that's what we've also read about in terms of research. When people can create something into a habit and it just becomes automatic, you're looking at a couple of months to see that kind of result. And, you know, you talked earlier about how kids will study and study and study and keep and they don't take a break. This is the all-nighter cram session that comes in. Not only do they not take a break, they don't even sleep. You tutor high school students. Tell us about about that and what's your advice. (laughs) I know what advice I give. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Sure, sure. That uh, so yesterday I was just speaking to a group of uh, three teammates. They all play soccer and they're all in the same year. They're all juniors. Um, and when we first started, uh, I said, so let's talk about sleep. And they're like alert, like, wait, I thought it was supposed to be paying attention. We're talking about sleep. Um, well, uh, I saw a couple of you yawning. So what's happening? Tell me, what is your current schedule? How, how much sleep are you getting? When, when did you go to sleep last? 11.30 p.m.? Uh, and when are you waking up? Is that eight hours? And where does that eight hour number even come from? And I found that a lot of students, if you start talking about the psychology, if you start talking about how the brain works, students love that. They'd like to learn more. Like, yeah, how does our brain work? Who said that it has to be eight hours? And so I told them, well, run a little experiment. How would you know what the natural number of hours that you should have as a regular basis? Is it eight because you read that? Because somebody told you? How would you run an experiment? So tell me, when is your spring break? Well, it's coming up. Okay. If you didn't set an alarm and you just naturally fall asleep, you know, when your eyes start to get heavy, what is your body telling you? <laughs> time to go to sleep. And if you did not set an alarm, what time would you naturally wake up? So you go to sleep at 11 and you woke up at 7.45. Let's do some math. Eight hours and 45 minutes. Your body naturally woke up at eight hours and 45 minutes. So could it be that for you, your own mind, your own biochemistry, that you actually need about eight and a half hours? Uh, By doing that simple test on a day when you don't need to get up the next day and you wake up naturally, now you can really get a sense of how much time you need. And are you running a deficit? If you're not getting the full eight hours, are you getting seven hours? Are you getting six and a half? How many days in a row is that happening? Are you keeping some kind of log? And I find that the vast majority of high school students, they are running a sleep deficit. And then that's where drugs come into play because they have to compensate that somehow. And that's a whole other episode. But yeah, sleep is really what I find is like the number one way to keep your stress down to keep your cognitive ability at its peak and retention skills, all these things. And yet our teens are not getting the seven to eight hours that they their body really needs. Right. And I think the worst thing is they wake up, say, six in the morning. Some of them have zero periods, so they might be up at five in the morning. So by the time they get home from practice, extracurricular activity, it's six, seven, eight o'clock. So they've been awake and running for what 16 hours and then they're going to do homework till what midnight two o'clock 
I couldn't function. That's like sprinting the whole day. Right. <laughs> and it, we know as adults that we talk about the word productivity. I don't hear students talk about it. I'm, I'm here to go for test prep because I want to be more productive. They don't use that language. But no. From the research of productivity that we could look at studies of other countries, look at Scandinavia, you know, Singapore, Norway, Finland, that studies have shown that in some of these countries, the average work week is 40, maybe 42 hours. That doesn't make a difference if the person was an attorney or an engineer or a school teacher. About 40 hours. That's eight hours a day, five days a week. But what you just described, Jackie, is eight hours of school plus more work on the field, on the court, plus doing studying. They're running a 16-hour day. High-powered attorneys that are litigators maybe in Los Angeles here are doing like 16-hour days <laughs> until they burn out. I've talked to some of those folks. Yeah. Don't advocate more than 44 hours for adults in the working world. Why is it that we would expect a student to be doing really well at that many hours in a week? Absolutely. And we know that their brain is definitely not as developed and they don't have the life experience of a working adult. So there is this overwork. And then that goes into the question that parents bring up, like, well, we're looking at next year's classes. Uh, two APs, two honors, zero period, cheer. She has to be at the football game. When do you sleep? When, when do you breathe? When do you eat? So yeah. are, are we looking at a sort of epidemic of way too much structure, way too much on your plate? It's okay if you don't take two AP classes. Uh, a recent student, she was the head of her cheer team. She worked really hard. She wanted to stay with cheer for four years. And she told her parents, because we discussed this uh, when she was a sophomore, she said, I want to do this and I want to go into a leadership role. She saw herself as captain. What? That's a great goal. She wants to do leadership. And that's a fantastic skill that she might not be able to cultivate if she was doing too many heavy duty classes. And so she was signing up for classes and she asked, well, I could take either, um, you know, pre-calc or I could do statistics. Uh, but I'm thinking about maybe doing something in STEM, maybe doing something in tech and engineering. I go, wow, that's great. We need more women in STEM. And if you're fit in that, wonderful. How could you explore that? Well, but I have another class and I think I, if I take two APs, it's going to be too much. Let's look at your schedule. What was it like last year? You only had one honors class. How did you do? You got A's. But now you want to add two, an honors class and an AP, and be the co-captain of your cheer. There's a pretty heavy schedule. So she spoke to her parents and said, I'm going to step down. I'm only going to take one AP class. But it gave her enough time to be a leader to do well in her sport, and to keep up with her classes. Nobody says that you have to do more than two AP classes. And she even was able to take an engineering class at the local community college. Not many high school students get to do that. But it was a choice. You can't do it all. Instead, how could you be a bit more relaxed and have more time for curiosity and discovery and now she's learned that she has a natural gift as a leader. 
that's a big lesson that I'm glad that she learned because she decided not to overload her schedule. Yeah, I think that's really important because all these kids are trying to build their resume for college. So they want to get the sports and they want to get the leadership and they want to get the APs, have all these things, but there's only so many much time in the day. And then when you're getting to your junior and senior year, you have to add the test prep program so that you can have a high score in the SAT, which is a whole other issue. And I'm sure you are dealing with that. How does your unique test prep program enable students to kind of keep them improving their time management skill and yet still improve their test scores? Right, right. Uh, yeah. So Jackie, you're saying there's really you know two goals. That one, we have the big test, whether it's the SAT or ACT, it's four hours. <laughs> when do high school students sit for four hours working on something that requires mental focus. That's a tough uh, decision to make. And it's a tough thing to step up to. You don't do that overnight. This is not something that you ever cram for, like you were saying beforehand. It takes time to prepare for that. So we are talking about your choice management. What are you going to choose to do over the next three months? Um, so it does feed directly into what is your decision making? What are you choosing to do with your time? And are you going to be able to fit everything in? What are the things that you will have to postpone until spring break, until summer? Um, we call it procrastinate on purpose. I want you to choose something that you're going to procrastinate on. Oh, I'm going to procrastinate on watching a movie with my friends because that isn't a priority right now. Prioritizing is the big one. So whether you're a parent and you're listening and you're thinking of, uh, we're going to look for online tutoring or, um, you know, Johnny is going to do this online prep course or he's going to use Khan Academy. We actually would prefer a class, a class of six students. Or maybe I think that one-to-one -one is really good. We think we're going to get more out of that. It's very personalized. Whatever the method is that you use, I would encourage parents and, and students to ask, how do you help me with my choice management and my time management because if you can improve that then you can apply that to what topics are you going to choose to focus on in math what topics will you choose to focus on in reading what topics will you choose to focus on in the writing in english grammar that's a lot of material we are not going to be able to capture 100 percent of it especially if you only have about say two to three months i say only two to three months because students who have achieved high scores, they are preparing easily over six to nine months. And if you're talking about the entire college preparation program of which are the schools, visiting campuses, speaking to college admissions experts, doing test prep, improving your grades, you're really looking at like a one year journey Easily two years, depending on how busy you are with football, with robotics class. So if you're preparing in advance and you think to yourself, this is a two-year journey, that I find gives much better results to parents and students as opposed to trying to cram this in uh, if you're talking about test preparation and college prep. And it's almost a class in itself. Like you're almost thinking it's something that they have to take out an hour a day for that nine months, like you were saying. 
because they got to sleep somewhere <laughs> and eat. Right. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Victor. Tell us your website. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's Initia, like to initiate. We help you to initiate your success. Uh, I-N-I-T-I-A, education.com. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. And that's where we post up videos about how to make all this easier for parents and students and how to keep calm and keep confident on your way to getting better scores. Victor and his team are available for in-person tutoring, coaching, and available also through the internet too. You don't have to be in the Los Angeles area for him to help you. Contact him at initiaeducation.com. We will have the website in the show notes as well as his Facebook page. Thank you so much, Victor. Thank you very much for your time, Jackie. Appreciate it. Okay, and the quote of the day, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than the ones that you did. That's by Mark Twain. Thank you, listeners. And as always, keep on learning and keep on growing. See you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.